Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hostile Road Trip Podcast, the podcast that literally takes its show on the road. Listen in as James Black and Bobby Dyer, owners of International Traveler's House Hostels, travel around the country to learn about these great locations and incredible people that come together to provide a unique and exciting experience for travelers from all over the world. Welcome back to Hostel Road Trip. We are here in beautiful Tahoe at the Mellow Mountain Hostel. After a very interesting recording, I'll have to say, down in Truckee at the red light, I think we're all still scratching our head a bit on how we're going to edit that episode, but we'll do our best. But we are so happy to be here in the fine hands of Audrey Paraskevis. That's me. Thank you, guys. Another Greek goddess that we are interviewing, and I will have the challenge of getting that last name right throughout this episode. You did great. We are going to talk a little bit first, though, about... Audrey's personal journey and how you found your way into hosteling. As we talked a little about before, our goal here is to bring awareness to the a millennial demographic in America in particular. You are a millennial. Oh, yeah. and you are American. And <laughs> sure here we are, and you're managing a hostel. And I think it's so cool that you started out in hospitality management and started out in more of the, more of the uh, hotel setup experience, if you will. So tell us a bit about your journey before hosteling. So it's been a long journey since I decided that hospitality was my route. Mm -hmm. um, I tried a bunch of things like food and beverage and catering and nice. that kind of stuff. And I realized that where I found my niche was in the travel industry and leisure. Nice. You know, you get these people and they want to have a good experience. Cool. Um, from there, I went into a little corporate world and Marriott's and trying to work my way through that. Where I found my biggest niche was I worked for a private hotel mm -hmm. um, in Asbury Park, New Jersey. And I just loved that homey feel. Um, in moving from New Jersey to Lake Tahoe, I started again in, in corporate and found just not having that satis satisfaction at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, had a bad day at work and started applying for other jobs. All right. <laughs> so um, when the owners of this place called me and I came in for an interview and it was in this very room and at this very table, it it felt like personal. It felt like I would have pride in this at the end of the day. Ah. Um, Had you stayed in hostels before? Did you know what they were? Only one. I knew what they were, but um, when I studied abroad in Australia, I had oh, cool. stayed at a hostel there and didn't really ever think about that again. It was yeah. never like... Fell off the radar. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, you know, I knew that on a, on a career basis, what I wanted to do was open my own something, bed and breakfast, small thing, mm -hmm. something. And and now the idea has transformed into a hostel. It, no. it has. It, it doesn't mean I'm set there. I change my yeah. mind every five minutes. But sure, sure. As young people do. But yeah. um, it, this is very realistic for me. This is so much more online with my career path than... It's so enjoyable when the travelers come in on yeah. vacation and yeah. you get to host them on such an intimate kind of homey setting. And, and you have control. Yeah. Like, you know, there's no corporate policy holding you to some standard that doesn't match everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, you can make every interaction you have with someone personal. Yeah. You know, and you can really relate with people. You have a lot here. of creative freedom. You do. Yeah. And, and trust with your owners and, yeah. and manager situation of being, you know, having their best interest in mind and... Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Bobby had told me as we were coming up here to do this episode that the owners of this hostel had come down to our hostel when they were first starting and met them. And, you know, it's great to see that you've got this energy, though, to represent them. And immediately we connected with that when you came out to greet us at the car. I thought you might be one of the owners. And 
you treat it like you own it, and that gives them the comfortability to leave here and do other projects. For sure. Yeah. I take pride in, yeah. in this place because it's not only a representation of, of them and what they want, but for me, at the end of the day, it's a representation of myself and what experiences that I give to people. No. Yeah, some of the best hostels are really, you know, the, the main manager operator is it's really their, uh, you know, it's their experience that they're sharing with everyone who comes through. Yeah. yeah. It's parenting a baby together almost, yeah. It is, it is. And, you know, now, holding yourself to the same standard as yeah. you hold your volunteers and everyone. And then that runs downhill, because if you're treating it like you own it, then all of a sudden the volunteers treat it like they own it. Exactly. And, and that flows through. Now, what about your friends? When you told them, oh, hey, I'm a hostel manager now, and not only am I a hostel manager, I want to open up a hostel one day. What's the reaction you get? Well, I think my friends always knew that I wanted to open something of my own. Okay. Um... When I asked my last boss from New Jersey whether, like, to, you know, be my um, reference, yeah. she looked up the hostel and saw some pictures and said, Audrey, are you joining a hippie cult? Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, no, not so much. I'm just, <laughs> just, this is, you know, an opportunity for me to have my own yeah. something. And, yeah. you know, um, it is sometimes a hippie cult. Yeah. Especially it, in the It has a lot of those elements to it. So it's hard to deny it in totality but everyone here in this room has had the same type of response from their friends as you have said we either own a hostel or manage a hostel or we worked at a hostel you get that same response from them and that's a big part of what we're trying to do here is break down that awareness well the yeah. thing is too is that you know you may have that perception of mm -hmm. of hostels but every walk of life i've seen walk through the door here has been accepted and like welcomed and loved and felt the community here nice. so it's not this exclusive hippie no. thing it's a place for people to feel like home and make dinner together and yeah. share a common space and you know so open-minded and you really only find that at hostels you, you know, compared to hotels yeah you do you go into your hotel room you close the door and yeah. that's it you yeah, come done. here and yeah. you know you go up to you're the common room yeah you go here. up to the yeah. common room and they're watching a movie together and you sit and talk about it and yeah listen to different types of music and you know it's just a hosteling is a a new trending way of travel in the U.S. industry, but it's built off a lot of old premises, breaking bread together, sharing experience together, having communal space together, and as we've become very private and desensitized by all of our gadgets and everything, you just don't get that at a hotel. It's you don't. You opposite. lock yourself in a room, you mm -hmm. get the Wi-Fi password, and you're, you're done. Um, here, I feel like, especially being the only hostel in South Lake Tahoe, mm -hmm. we have a unique set of guests that have never hosteled before yes and being that first experience for them is like something that we take pride in yes you know yeah. show them what it's about what do you mean i'm sharing a dorm yeah you're sharing a dorm and yeah get to know somebody talk Hold to their hand through it yeah but then you've got another one for life in the industry that, for sure yeah, and then uh, next thing you know they're traveling somewhere mm -hmm. and hostels are such a huge thing in other countries now i heard you reference a few times the owners, Wolf and Elias, correct? Yes. Uh, you reference them as the boys. So it sounds like these two guys are a tight-knit group. They've been best friends for ever. Years, okay. <laughs> yeah, so. forever and ever. And um, they work really well together. Okay. They both have different assets that... They complement each other. For sure. Great. You know, yeah. Wolfie will fix anything and make everything, you know, out of nothing. Yeah. And, and Elias has this huge new idea that nobody else thought of. Uh -huh. So they complement each other in their, you know, different ways of um, 
different ways of thinking, sure. I guess. You and say. I think for listeners out there, if you're thinking about opening up your own hostel, a lot of times it can be a burden, it can be overwhelming, and a lot of people stop. And I think a lot of times people are missing that partner. To I help them get it I done. I think it's a beautiful thing to have someone to bounce ideas off yeah. of. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, doing it all on yourself, you have to then question yourself. And Everything. having someone there to yeah. be like, okay, let's question this and let's walk down this road. And, you know, maybe there's this new idea that I didn't think of or you didn't think of and kind of going back and forth. Yeah. And to be able to take a day off so you can yeah. get fresh and come back and offer good experiences. It's definitely a lifestyle running a hostel. Yeah. And you For need sure. to disconnect and get your sanity back sometimes. And, and I think that's kind of where they're at now is having a management team right. whereas the first year it was them at the front desk you and them leave. cleaning yeah, rooms yeah. and them doing that and I you know I think that they took joy in that but yeah. I also think that it's really awesome because I wouldn't have had this opportunity if they didn't open this place sure sure and I think that it's a it's a great thing for you know people listening out there again with the when you're starting the hostel you will be in that hostel probably for the better part of that first year or two doing everything from top to bottom yourself but then you're learning it all so that you can pass along that knowledge and experience set your systems up yeah well this place was abandoned and shut down and needed a lot of work they did they put in seven months of construction and this is post base camp being here so they had run it and then it kind of just got so base camp never even took off they never even took off they never even took off they bought the property and before they even could make anything of it, uh, it was wow. Now, and it wasn't called Base Camp at that time. Now, is Base Camp still open though? There are other Base Camp is still open, mm-hmm. but the property that had anything to do with this property yeah. wasn't Base Camp. Base gotcha. Camp bought it after. Yeah, I see. It was I think called the Block. I'm the Block. Not a hundred percent sure on sure. that one. What year did uh, it open as Mellow? Um, July fourth of two thousand fourteen. Now a, a little bit about the facility here. How many rooms do we got? Uh, we have 14 rooms, 52 beds. Nice. Um, and so 52 beds and then two private rooms. Okay. And then we also house all of our volunteers. So that takes up three rooms. One is a four-person mixed dorm for all of our housekeepers. And then we have two other rooms that are for a receptionist. They share um, like a double-style room like, okay. like a hotel would have. Nice. And we've, as we've been on the road... We commonly see this number, the 50-bed hostel. Yeah. And as we've had our experience, we think that's a great sweet spot of intimacy without getting too overwhelming. It is. And I think with this property, the setup of it, Mm -hmm. of having all the rooms face into like almost like a quad. Yeah, yeah. It's got a courtyard feel to it. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it feels connected. Yes, yeah. It's got a nice vibe running through it. Now, what about your price ranges? So you've got your bunks, you've got your private rooms now, as we know on... Mountain towns like this, you have variations of seasons that are wild, you know, from your high snow seasons to your shoulder season. What's a bunk price range? Um, so, for example, right now we're running in like the 22 to $25 oh. range um, for our four-person mixed dorms. Mm-hmm. And then for our privates, we're in the 44 on the weekdays to 60-ish yeah. on um, the weekends. And... That's this is shoulder season right now. Yeah. So moving on from that, coming into like July yeah. and then like right around Christmas time, yeah. we're up into the forty four for a dorm. Yeah. And and kind of in the hundred dollar price range for a private. That's great. So you know, it's still very affordable and a great opportunity for any backpacker or traveler coming through to spread their dollar a little bit more so they can have fun on the town or extend their stay up here a little bit because you're not spending it all at a hotel room so well i would easily reasonable. say that we are the cheapest 
option for a single traveler. Yeah. So yeah. for you know to get that mixed dorm in in the high season, you're looking at even the motels around that yeah. aren't aren't the greatest. Um, they're in like the two to three hundred dollar price range. Absolutely. You know, so you have a cheap bed and have a great experience. Exactly, yeah. and we yeah. you know try to bring people in by what we offer as like a community and team mm. and you know it's a great place if you're by yourself yeah. to come and, and meet friends that you Belong can go to the somewhere. mountain with or yeah. take a hike with or you and, know. I, and you get a great nice communal room that we saw upstairs where we come in quite a party going on up there that we look forward to joining after we finish the recording with you here friday nights are good yeah friday <laughs> nights are fun but also want to highlight as you showed us and we are staying here and i know some of these guys are looking forward to these beds as we've been on the road for a while but those bunk beds Custom made from repurposed wood. Tell they, us about them, Ben. They sure are. Um, they are really unique. Um, the storage underneath is huge. Yeah, locker storage. You can lock your yeah, locker up. storage, yeah. but that that's you know half the size of a twin bed. Yeah, you know it's not yeah. just this little locker that you have. It you, you can, could fit a full hiker backpack. You in sure there. can. Yeah. yeah, you definitely can. Um, and I think it's a great asset to be able to tell the guests when they come in, like these. Beds are made from repurposed wood, and they're sturdy, and they're... Sturdy, rustic-looking, but they're badass, you know, and they've got the light. And a fan. Fan. Do you get an outlet on there, too? The, yeah, we have an outlet connected to the little, like, shelf underneath nice. each bed. Um, it has three regular plugs and then two USB yeah. plugs, so you can plug everything that you and could it, ever need in there. It's so important for, you know, both industry people and potential travelers coming through that uh, a good operator with a well-crafted, thought-out bunk bed can solve a lot of the issues that you'd think would happen in a shared accommodation room. Well, so funny enough, the fans and the lights came from a review ah. that we had. Someone suggested them, and yeah. we were like, that's Listen amazing. To your people. Uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. like a great idea. Yeah. Um, we send out a survey to every single person that leaves here yeah. so that we can, you know... Departure surveys for everyone. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, it's sometimes an asset to know where you're... You have to listen Where to your Where your faults guests. are, you know, yes. to fix them. Because, oh, absolutely. You know, it, it means a lot. There are the people that come in here. They are, you know, what it's, the business is about. Yeah, it's interesting staying connected to those, those departure surveys. We've seen a lot over the years as we've been operating for six years now. And we've seen such a difference just in the... Uh, type of travelers over the six years on the needs they have so it's so important to stay flexible and always be listening to what people you know what you could add to your hostel to improve their stay. yeah i mean there's always going to be the things that aren't feasible and right. don't make sense or yeah not even don't make sense to just like Might the money you the would put yeah, yeah the money that you would put yeah. into it isn't worth the return on it yeah but when there's a good idea i'm you know yeah as a business we're not afraid to say yeah that's a great idea let's do that simple and functional is always wise simple functional and sturdy is a good way to attack uh, hostile operations in that way. But we're going to take a quick break right now, and we're going to be back with Audrey Paraskethis. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the operations here at the Mellow Mountain Hostel in Tahoe. And we got some more exciting stuff coming, so stay tuned. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Hostel Road Trip Podcast. We're taking a moment now to talk about a great service called worldpackers.com. Worldpackers.com is actually how I got my start with the Hostel Road Trip Podcast. Worldpackers is a great service that connects travelers looking for a place to stay in a new city with the hostels who need their skills. You can do anything from house cleaning to reception to media and marketing and so much more. With a reasonable fee of $50 a year and a little bit of courage, you could find yourself anywhere in the world. For more information, just check out worldpackers.com. That's W-O-R-L-D-P-A-C-K-E-R-S.com. And now, we bring you back to your regularly scheduled program. Welcome back to Hostel Road Trip. We are still here on the at the Mellow Mountain Hostel 
on Tahoe Mountain. Or do you, South Lake Tahoe, you said? This, this is South Lake Tahoe. As we just came from North Lake Tahoe, where Truckee is, is that correct? Yep, Truckee's a little above North Lake. But yeah. Okay, all right, <laughs> we're getting there on our geography around here. We've driven through a wildfire, we've had a wild day. And we are here and happy to be here and settling in. And we want to talk a little bit about a trending hostile topic in the American industry, whether or not to have on-site staff or to go with paid staff. Uh, at ITH, we go with a hybrid model of having some off-site paid, and, but we still have a good contingent of on-site people. Tell us a bit about your experience as this is new to you, as you've been in the hotel side of things where everyone's paid, everyone comes in, signs in, does their job, finishes, leaves. Tell us about the process to start with of actually getting these on-site people. What do you do to get them? What platforms do you use? Um so we use a lot of online platforms um, for volunteers. All, all of our staff that runs reception and housekeeping mm. are volunteers. There's only two paid staff mm. men members, me and my assistant manager. Nice. Um, we use uh, WorkAway and World Packers. Um, we also have some other ones, but those are our two main ones. Those are the two main ones that you source from. Help one and, yeah. and Hostel Jobs, which runs with Hostel Management. management yeah, um, yeah. I love Hostel Management for their blogs and, Resources, and things yes. that, you know, I can research things and mm -hmm. kind of find some extra Great lifeline for a Hostel Management. Exactly. Yes. Um, I think the, the biggest struggle and difference for me was the fact that they are volunteers mm -hmm. and they have to want to do the work. Yeah. You know, you can't put... You don't want to overwork someone when yeah. this is their volunteer gig, and they truly have to want to clean that bathroom to the top standard. Yeah. They truly have to want to, and if if they don't, then you know we we can move on and, and yeah. find someone who does. Yeah. And, and not to be harsh about it, yeah. but but you have to be that way. And it can be tough because a lot of times managers can get that difficult reality that you're living with this person, you're friends with this person, and if you are asking them to leave, it does feel like, not only am I firing you, I'm making you homeless in one move. I feel like I've always, I, as the manager here, that I would love to give someone the opportunity to fix it first. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. like, hey, this is what I need from you, or this is what I need from mm -hmm. someone, and what can I do to help you do this? Like, mm -hmm. what can I do to make this easier for you to do? Yeah. What tools can I give you? You know, what opportunities can I make for you to fit in here? Or, yeah. you know, I got lucky coming onto this property because we already had a staff. So I didn't have to hire anyone for two months until... Like, That's great. So you had some here. stability. Now, we had an interesting insight on this topic over season one. And the topic came up of the definition of a volunteer. And the core definition of a volunteer is someone who does something for nothing in exchange. Exactly. But the reality is in a hostile uh, exchange, live on site, it's more of a work exchange because you're getting a bunk, you're getting meals, you're getting utilities paid for, you're getting a lot of things comped in exchange for this work. So at their core, they're not really volunteers in that way. What do you think about that view? It's It it can get like complicated yeah. and messy, for sure. It yeah. really, truly can. Um, I think that guiding a volunteer situation yeah. has a lot to do with making someone feel like self-worth yeah. and taking feel valued. pride yeah, and yeah. taking pride in like sure. everyone who comes here mm. this is something that you worked for to create for them mm. you know so that helps a lot in in um pushing someone to want to be here and want to volunteer um yeah, we always say that taking that first uh you know, two hours from they arrive and really connect with them and build that relationship. Set and make the them feel at home. Be yeah. very, you know, and that really helps a lot with us at our hostels. Yeah. 
Can we cut real quick so I can switch cards? Oh, sure. Yeah. Sorry. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Lord. I know. I'm so we really ride him hard. You'll have to repeat that last one because I had I had an answer for that. And I'm going to ask you if you know, give you a moment to think about it. Well, no, I, no, my answer is I think it's really important to provide like a welcoming night. Oh no, I have a different question I want to ask okay. you so that you can think about. Do you have any really good examples of a difficult situation where you had to ask them to leave and they didn't want to leave or they were being resistant to leave or a bad example that is great for people to listen to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this is good. This is like good stuff that like people are yearning for as an example of like, I'm in this position. What, what about someone else that's been in this position? Because you mentioned housemanagement.com. Besides that, there's no other resource out there. You know, it's yeah. tough to, to find these things. So the feedback we've been getting from other hostile industry people regarding the content of the podcast has been when we do touch upon some of these tough subjects and they get another... Uh, perspective yes you know an outlet of like wow that's a different way i could have handled this or man i'm in the same exact situation i don't feel so alone in that i just feel like my examples like were in my first two months of like things that i had to like call in the owners which aren't my strongest suit you know sure but that's a highlight yeah it is a learning process yeah that happens to everyone in their first couple of months you you get a chance you actually get the chance to improve the next batch of volunteers. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. And take. So those are really good, uh, just from, like I said, the feedback we've gotten from listeners of industry people. These are tough topics that we, sure. in tough situations to go through because not everyone has a scenario where you're managing people that in their minds they're volunteers. So you really have to motivate them. But in reality, they're work exchange people. And sometimes you can get a bad apple and it can mess up the whole bunch. And you can have these awful situations, and they're living here on site, too. Well, I feel like what I've learned from, mm. you know, my first couple of months of being here is that, like, staff meetings are really important. That's a good one to highlight, yeah. Of, like, mm. you know, making everyone on the same page. Mm-hmm. So that way, when you're, you know, someone does something wrong, you're not just, like, coming at them. Yes. You're coming at the whole team. That's very good. You know, you're yeah. saying, hey, this is what I can't have from you guys. This is, yeah. you know, these are my expectations, and this is what I need. And mm. then after that, if... It's going to continue. Yeah. My advice that I always give to managers when they come to us in this situation is clarity, communication, expectations. And if you communicate those in the routine of meetings and stay on top of that, that will help prevent a lot of disasters. And not being irrational and being like, sure, you had a bad day. You know, screw you. Get out of here. Come on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even the the people that, you know, I've had to let go in my Mm. time here, Mm. it's been like, Take yeah. two weeks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It can be amicable. Yeah. Because at the same time, I need to find someone. Yeah. You know? And it, and it should be a, a mature enough situation and a, a, a peaceful enough situation where that transition can happen. I just had that same type of situation up in Big Bear where he's, a person had been there for seven, eight months. Yeah. They were like, it's just too long. You know, three to six months is the wheelhouse for me. We have yeah. a two-month minimum and a six-month max. That's you know, that's generally the wheelhouse. And, yeah. you know, there's not to say there's not exceptions, exceptions yeah. from someone who mm-hmm. went from housekeeping and mm-hmm. now is growing to reception. And has and amazing skill sets. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. is, like, really yeah. benefiting the yeah. hostel. But when someone's your weakest link and you're at six months and they yeah. don't have another job somewhere and yeah, they're not, that's you know. That's why. They're staying for the wrong reasons. They are. Yeah. They're, they're complacent. And I don't think that it's a huge negative thing to do to someone because no, I think that it's pushing yeah, yeah I think that it's pushing someone and helping them grow. I'll be your reference. Yeah. I'll help you write your resume. I will do 
And I, I say exactly that. You have me as a reference currently. If things continue down the road, you do not. You know, so like let's let's break this off while it's still good. And you know, yeah. at the end of the day, I don't want to ruin anyone's life no. or hurt someone. I, yeah. I want to be an asset. I want them yeah. to come out of Empower volunteering them. here and look back and go, man, that that place really helped me grow. Yeah, and that's another good thing that's highlighted as well. You know, it would be such a shame for people if they had that really great experience. And a lot of times, people don't want to leave because they love it so much. You don't want them to leave on a bed. No, it would be sad that that's no, a good experience. And, yeah, we've had that experience here too, where somebody did a bunch of, they had been here from day one, mm. back and forth, leaving and coming back, and then came back as a volunteer. And his his sense of home at this place made him, um, made him feel superior and righteous. Ah. I couldn't tell him anything. Yeah. A lot of and, times when they come back second, third time, it's not the same. You know, yeah. We see that but time and time again. On the other side, though, I've had some of my yeah. current volunteers here are return volunteers. That are great. And, yeah. And they're great. They help me train other people. Yeah. They help yeah. me, like, this is how the last person did it, and, like, what do you think mm-hmm. about making these changes? And I, yeah. it's a nice bounce off. And I think that's important for listeners to understand, too, that you should never let one instance shut down another one. For they sure. are Everybody's different. Yeah, Every, is everyone is different. People are you're dealing with people. People are wrong. You are wrong too. Yeah, yeah. it's hard to no one's perfect. And yeah. No one's perfect. I feel like yeah. it's a good way to learn about yourself, about other people. You get a chance to be better next time. Mm-hmm. And it also gives you the chance to admit when you are wrong and like yeah. connect because we and live together. Yeah. Because we live together and because we work together and because we hang out together. I don't feel bad about saying, "Hey, man, like this." I'm I'm sorry that we were angry and I smiled. Mm. Like, yeah, like that yeah. just is a defense mechanism for me. Yeah, and I like, get nervous. I smile. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I'm sorry that that made you feel disrespected. Let's move on from there and let's like keep it moving. And you know, I've had the, literally the same exact situation. You popped in my head with that, you know, years ago, and it was a a kid who, when he got nervous, he would just smile. And I remember one day I was like, "What are you, are you fucking with me? Like, <laughs> you think this is fucking funny?" And, I'm going, and he's only smiling more and more. And I'm like, "This is fire!" But then I, you know, you pull yourself back and realize, "Whoa, take a breather here." You know, let's talk about this and yeah. calm down and, and have a collective opinion. Now, does Harrison live on site as well? Yes, um, both of us managers live on site, and mm-hmm. all of our volunteers. Everyone's on site now. Another. Very interesting topic in that type of setup, as we've been in that setup before, where no one was paid off-site, everyone was living on-site, even when we were a part of that clan. Uh, how do you deal with interstaff relations? Um, I feel like I give them the freedom to work it out themselves okay. first, and if it's such an issue that I need to step in, okay. then I will step in and we'll have kind of what we're doing here. A little table you, discussion, yeah. yeah. Both of you come here. Let's talk about it mm-hmm. so that I can mediate and not get heated. And yeah. you know, let's work through it together. And in in the situations I've had here, it's usually someone's e- either on their way out, or or you know, the d- dynamic of them rooming together doesn't work. Mm. And then we can make changes. You know, I yeah. I try to leave it for them because it comes to a little bit of their personal life. Sure. Where it's yeah. hard to kind of navigate that line. You don't want to step into it too much, but it is a it is a very interesting uh, situation that people in hostile management ownership will find themselves in. Same thing and, with cleanliness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and keeping themselves clean and whatnot. But I think the wrong way to go about that, I think what you're doing is correct. Be mature, be honest, be upfront, communicate about it. 
the worst thing you could do as a hostile owner manager is to say it's not allowed and to think that's actually going to happen. No, right? no you, know you, can't, you yeah. can't control that. Yeah, you can't control it, and, and it would only blow up in your face if you tried to. But I found then, that as long as they're still working the same, like as yeah. long as the, your work isn't interfered, like affected, yeah. that it, I'm okay with it. Like yeah. I can't, that's, you have to draw the line yeah. of personal life and work life. Absolutely. We're all so intertwined that it's the line tough. is, the line is so gray, Blurry. the line is Blurry. so wiggly, but you have <laughs> to find it somewhere. Yes. And when it comes to like personal relationships, as long as it's not, I'm not going to work because I don't want to work with so-and-so, mm-hmm. then then sure, like, yeah. do, you know, what makes you happy. Yeah. I don't really even need to hear about it. Just yeah, yeah. carry on. That, that's, a, that's a good way to look at it, I think. I would say one thing that you guys are doing great, or one of the many things you guys are doing great, but the uh, having the multiple staff rooms, we have that as well, and it's great for help. when you yeah. have all these different people from all over the world helping out, you know, it's a, you know, it's a very diverse team with, could be eight different cultures, so it's nice kind of having that. You know, sometimes some people work better in other rooms and we can, you know, they can have their space. Yeah, so when I first came on, um, the majority of our team at that point in time was um, Americans. And it was great. Like, we all got along and all had a great time. But it was a lot because um, we weren't on some of the platforms that we are on now for hiring. And I found in bringing even not necessarily international, but people from different parts of the country. Yeah, still bring some diversity. Just bringing yeah. some diversity and really broke it up. It yeah. wasn't clicky anymore. That's it wasn't, nice. you know, it wasn't that all the volunteers are hanging out together and then they're the guests. Mm. It was like a, a team of people that want to meet new people and bring new things to the table. The That's... different types of music that people listen to at the front desk. Because yeah, we have speakers the DJ, outside. Yeah. yeah, we have speakers outside. I can walk in here and tell who's working. Yeah, by yeah, who, yeah. By That's who so is true. Playing That's so true. But that's a very good point of keeping that diversity in the staff and how fun it can be out there for potential uh, Americans that want to try out Hostile Work Exchange and use a great platform like World Packers to do so because you're going to find yourself living amongst and working with people from all over the world, different cultures, different religions, different languages. It's like an incubator. And meeting of new culture. friends that when yeah. you ever want to travel, Lifelong you're like, friends. hey, I, I know someone in, you know, uh, in Swaziland. Yes, like, I know yeah. someone. Yeah. No yeah. one can disappear like a hostel manager because you have a place to go all over uh, the world. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's also, I've watched diff- how it's brought um, different customer service aspects to the hostel, to the front desk. Yeah. You know, I can't talk the same way that one of my volunteers can who's traveled all over the place. Mm. I can't talk to another guest who travels all over the place the way that she can. Oh, I've been there. I've been to that city. I've done, like, yeah. this and that where I'm like, I can tell you about Tahoe. I can tell you about New Jersey. But, yeah. you know, some of our international constant traveler volunteers can talk to you about the different music in the city or this different... Yes. Like, you know, did you experience this there? Yeah. They kind Your of... Your team has more to offer. Exactly. Yeah. They can... Um, relate with people in a different way outstanding all right well we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about the guest experience that is waiting for you here at the mellow mountain hostel here on mellow. all right (laughs) keeping it mellow stay tuned we hope you're enjoying this episode of the hostel road trip podcast we're taking a moment now to talk about a great service called worldpackers.com 
Worldpackers.com is actually how I got my start with the Hostel Road Trip Podcast. Worldpackers is a great service that connects travelers looking for a place to stay in a new city with the hostels who need their skills. You can do anything from house cleaning to reception to media and marketing and so much more. With a reasonable fee of $50 a year and a little bit of courage, you could find yourself anywhere in the world. For more information, just check out worldpackers.com. That's W-O-R-L-D-P-A-C-K-E-R-S.com. And now, we bring you back to your regularly scheduled program. Welcome back to Hostel Road Trip. We are still here at the Mellow Mountain Hostel, closing up another fantastic episode. But now we want to turn our attention to the overall guest experience and what you'd be missing out on if you didn't come enjoy the Mellow Mountain Hostel it's fine staff, and all this Four Season Resort has to offer. And I really want to highlight the Four Seasons because there's more to do than just ski up here. So tell us a bit more about the guest experience and what they could expect to have here. So obviously in Tahoe, our two major seasons are summer and winter. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll touch on that first. Um, In summer, I started here in July. It was booked out pretty much every day. Um, I learned so much about the Pacific Crest Trail that I could pretend that I did it. (laughs) I'll probably never do it. All the trail names. Um, Yeah, yeah, all the trail names. And it was so interesting and fun to learn about this thing that... Yeah. Whole culture out there on that trail. Um, This is definitely a huge spot to hit Mm -hmm. on the PCT. Mm -hmm. Um, Once we sell out, we sell cowboy camping spots just because, you know, we want them here this... They're our bread and butter in July. Yeah. And and we love them and their stories and that whole scene. Um, but we also get a, a whole different group of people here, too, in the summer that, you know, once Tahoe is past their their stop on the on the PCT, once mm-hmm. we get at the end of August, you know, you get those um, travelers that have never been to Tahoe before and this is their affordable way to do it or they're doing like a couple of trails like the Tahoe Rim Trail or you know just like a section of the PCT nice um I feel like we have this unique thing to offer them as traveling alone coming somewhere and having like immediate friends Uh. and having like an immediate community and having a rideshare list in the common room of where you're going next, somebody might be going there too, or that I want to take a take a hike tomorrow. Does anybody else want to hike to Lack? Yeah. And you're just, you know. That's a beautiful thing when you see that happen. Exactly. I mean, yeah. And when you watch them leave at 8 a.m. and then they come back and they're like, that was awesome, and I would have never done that on my own. Yes, you exactly. Know? Finding a connection here that pushes you outside of yeah. just – Going into a hotel room and then coming out and leaving. Like, you wouldn't have done it on your own, and because you did it with someone else, it was that much better. Exactly. Yeah. You had this fun experience that you shared with somebody that you never knew before this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and then going into the shoulder season before winter, um, there is the struggle of being at such a affordable rate and having such... Um, a bit of a homeless community here in Tahoe. I didn't know that. Yeah, we the, battled the, that in San Diego. There it's a, is. Tough thing with the price point. The price know, point and that it's yeah. affordable. I think that a way that I've managed that since I've been here has been um, using the, you need a credit card and photo ID to check in. Mm. And, and kind of reading someone's vibe. You get good at it. You, you do. You get and good. I've had experience in other private hotels that I worked at uh-huh. that, you know, yeah. I've had to deal with the same thing. Mm-hmm. 
here it's a little you know you're turning someone away and then it's yeah. cold outside and you yeah, feel bad you do, but you it do. really depends on it, what you have to think about at the end of the day is how it affects other guest experiences the experience yeah. the culture you know yeah. you don't yeah. want someone to come in here and feel like people have been living here or that people that you don't want to talk to that you don't want to be <laughs> it's really sad but it is the unfortunate truth that uh one bad apple or one person that's looking to take advantage of the bohemian shared environment can now make everyone feel like they have to lock their doors and make feel like i can't leave my stuff over here and a lot of people is tighten up exactly instead of letting loose and you want it to be loose but we've also had situations where someone you're like eh, and you they have a credit card they have a photo yeah, id and yeah. you let them in and next thing you know you're hanging out with them in the common room and they are really sweet and really great yeah so it's really it's a, tough it's, that it's a line that you have too, to like, you have oh, to shit. balance yeah, yeah. yeah um every day I get better at it you do <laughs> you know, get better at day, it um, and, and every one of us here have made mistakes on the wrong side of it in trying to be maybe a little bit too cautious, but in the end, you'd rather err on that side. You would, and, yeah. and then it also comes to, you know, I like, because this is what I want to do, because mm. I want to be a business owner, I have to also think about making profit. Yep, You know, the bottom are, line. Are we going to have empty beds and turn away five, six people? That's you're tough. Done. You're shut down. Exactly, yeah, you know, yeah. and not be profitable at all this month, or can we put all these five people in a, or four people in a room together mm -hmm. and, and that room is you're kind of questionable it's, room. yeah no, you know it's just, you, if you have six empty rooms you and can you could play do, that game you can yeah. but you have to be, be responsible for that yeah. too you know you have to be willing to wake up at two in the morning if something's wrong yeah and 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 that could be a tough do it you make a great point there the screening for the better of the herd compared to the bottom line we have another company besides uh, ITH called Hustle Management Services, HMS, and we have a client, and it's a new experience for us because the client who owns the property would obviously like to see every bed full. He doesn't care what they look like or who they are, so it's tough to tell him. You like, can't be that cut and dry about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, you're at 78% occupancy, but I saw someone get turned away six times on the cameras. Why? Well, yeah, I got to explain to you, it would be at 50% occupancy if I didn't turn those people away. Exactly. Yeah. You're... Or, Bigger than that, getting a bad review because someone felt uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I mean, Not we safe. take huge pride in the yeah. fact that we have very, very little bad reviews. Yeah. You know, and even even that, a bad review, I can't even think of one that's fully bad. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, hey, this happened, but someone was loud at two in the morning. Yeah. You know, I try yeah. my best to manage that, but yeah. sometimes you just, you, you don't hear it, you don't wake up. There's, Wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong day. Yeah, yeah, you know, maybe I was out. Maybe, yeah. you know, something happened. But, um... Going into like shoulder seasons like that, I think that's the, probably my hugest hurdle. In those shoulder seasons. In those shoulder seasons, and like you know the time between after Labor Day mm -hmm. until the ski resorts open. When does that open? Um, so they're scheduled, I think, for the fifteenth. Oh, exciting! It really depends on the snow we get. Of course, this whole town runs off of that in the winter. Do they make their own fake snow? They do. The okay. weather has to be cold enough in order for sure. them to do it. It is at this point in time. Um, I haven't been here through a winter season, but I can tell you what it, I think it looks like, and I can also tell you what I looked like last year when I wasn't here. Yeah. And the thing that bothered me the most about where I was last year. Okay. Was that. If you're not getting snow, you're not getting snow. Yeah. You can't just sit there and be like, well, we can't open snow or whatever. Yeah. We're you can't do that. If it's a beautiful day <laughs> out and you're having people at your place, open the open the bar at mm -hmm. this specific place. Yeah. Or like, yeah. you know, 
have a game night here like have something to draw people Get creative, in yeah yeah and don't just sit there and pray for snow no you can't do that yeah, yeah like yeah. and just hold yourself off and take the loss think of something innovative to be do proactive. Yeah, yeah you know run bar crawl yeah do something that yeah. you know people continue to want to come back or tell their friends who are traveling here to come back well, they're lucky to have you if you're thinking in that way because that's some advanced thinking for a hostel manager because a lot of people will just sit back and we've had it happen. You call them, what do you want me to do? It's raining outside. Well, I want you to do something besides tell me it's raining outside. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I know it's, it's raining outside. You know what? It's board game night. Like, yeah. It, yeah, tell me you're playing Risk or some yeah, shit. Now, I don't know. Now yeah, we're yeah. playing board games. We're all making dinner together. It's $5 dinner night or whatever it is. It's just you should never be like, oh, no, sorry, it sucks here. Yeah. Like, you should give them some draw to come in. Now, as we move into talking about the winter season for the guest experience, which would be the big season here, what would be the cost of a lift ticket, and do you sell them here at the property? Um, So we sell lift tickets for Sierra, Okay. which is a little further. We have Heavenly Mountain right across the street. That's the big show. That's the big show. They're run by Vail Resorts. They own Heavenly here. They own North Star and Kirkwood. Okay. Um, I think... Think the reason that we sell Sierra tickets is because it offers people another mountain and a, sure, another different experience. But um, you've got some discounted packages that guests could look for with the yeah. room and the lift pass. Yeah. Well, I think it's more of, and I haven't bought them yet this season. Yeah. And I haven't worked here last season. Okay. But I think that it's not combined with the room. I think it's once they get here, they can get. We them. can get it. Yeah, we can nice. sell them a discounted. Now, heavenly, how close are we door to door? You can literally look across. Door to chair. We're looking at the chair. You can, right past this building in front of us, it's a five to seven minute walk to the gondola. Oh, well. Yeah. For listeners out there, you can't beat that. You wake up, yeah. get out of bed, go do your skiing, and you're pretty much skiing right back down into the place. For listeners and for future volunteers, yeah. you know you can't beat this. Yeah, you can't oh, beat working two to three days a week as a volunteer. Yeah, and then walking across the street working for Heavenly. Yeah, you can get a job get a at Heavenly. Job, ski for free. Yeah, live for free. Um, and then for guests, you know, single traveling guests, mm-hmm. you can't beat this. Is the cheapest single traveler accommodations and then you can't control heavenly's prices they are a little pricey but it's one of the but it is ni- premier yeah it's yeah. one of the nicest yeah it's heavenly it, it's it heavenly. is you're it's, getting your money's worth it's heavenly yeah. and I'm, I'm pretty sure they sell a dual pass where you can do heavenly and north star yeah it really all depends on what you are well, looking for this has just got me excited to come up here this winter. Anytime, and, and shred welcome. it up and, and enjoy the fun times here. I've never done it. Get, get heavenly and stay mellow. Yes. But uh, I want to thank you so much, Audrey, for saving us with that interview with Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> but we had an absolute great time with you here. I think it's just awesome that we were able to capture this for this season two, California. It's been a hell of a road trip, but we're just about wrapping it up. So happy to have you guys here. Yeah, and for you listeners out there, don't worry. Season 3, Southeastern U.S. has already been booked. And we'll be on the road again in January 2019 to record 10 episodes in that region. But I know we had some great hostels on the coast of California for this season. But make sure you come to the mountain town of Tahoe to see Truckee and to see the Mellow Mountain Hostel. Because they're both gems out here. And I thank you so much once again. I'm going to nail your name one last time. Audrey Paraskevis. There it is. Robert <laughs> Dyer from ITH. Thanks, guys.
Eric, Grandpa, Carlos, Deferia from World Packers. The best fucking sound engineer west of the Mississippi. Soft-spoken <laughs> Mark <Shut> Needham. <laughs> All right, that was good. Good job. <laughs>